My favorite city in all the world is the most important city in the world. It is the city of Jerusalem. Stay tuned for an up-close walking tour of that city. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have a very special treat for you in this program. I want to take you on a walking tour through one of the most fascinating places in the world, the Old City of Jerusalem. On this board, I have drawn an outline of the walls of the Old City as they were reconstructed in the 1500s by Suleiman the Magnificent. We're going to start our tour here at the Lion's Gate on the east side of the city, and from there we're going to be walking through the Arab Quarter along the traditional route of the Via Della Rosa, the path that Jesus took when He went to the cross. That path ends here at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and from there we will continue our walk through the Old City through the Christian Quarter over to the western side at the Jaffa Gate. And then from there we will go through the Armenian Quarter and back over to end at the Jewish Quarter with an overlook of the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, and the Western or Wailing Wall. Welcome to Israel and the Old City of Jerusalem. I'm standing here on the east side of the Old City, and right in front of me is the Lion's Gate. It leads directly into the Arab Quarter. This, incidentally, is a very famous gate because this is the gate that the Israeli army broke into in the Six-Day War in 1967 when they conquered the city from the Jordanians. Throughout the centuries, the gate has actually had two names. It was called the Lion's Gate, and it was also called the Gate of St. Stephen's because Christians believed that this was the area where the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was stoned to death. But today, it's generally referred to as the Lion's Gate. And the reason for that is because above the gate on each side in the wall are carved lions. Well, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a walking tour through the old city from the east all the way over to the west. And so what I'd ask you to do is just follow me and I'll show you some interesting sights along the way. Let's go. Well, here we are inside the uh, old city of Jerusalem, just coming through the Lion's Gate. The streets are very narrow, but they allow vehicles to come in because the uh, merchants need to get in here and also people who live within the city. The city has been greatly transformed from 100 years ago. A hundred years ago, it was an incubator of disease because these streets were dirt, sewage ran down the middle, and uh, there was animal dung everywhere. But today, it has been modernized since 1967 by the Jewish people. They have paved these streets, put the sewage underneath, and the city has been cleaned up considerably from what it was a hundred years ago. One of the things that I've learned about this old city is that you can never uh, know, even imagine what's behind these walls. For example, right through this door is an absolutely beautiful courtyard. Let's go in and take a look at it. You see what I mean? A very beautiful courtyard. And in this courtyard there are two things that I want to show you. One is the Church of St. Anne and the other is the Pool of Bethesda. We'll take a look at the Church of St. Anne first. This is the Church of St. Anne. It's a 12th century crusader church. 
and it was built by the Crusaders to uh, honor uh, Anne, the mother of Mary. One thing I love about this church is it has incredible acoustics. Let's go inside and see if someone's singing. here adjacent to the Church of St. Anne is a biblical site, the Pool of Bethesda. I want to show you something over here. In John chapter 5, we're told that uh, there was a healing that took place here by Jesus. This is the Pool of Bethesda, and uh, there was a tradition here that if the water suddenly stirred, and many people believe that was by an angel, that the first person who could touch the water would be healed. Well, this particular man had been here for over 30 years and he could never get to the water fast enough. I, the implication is he was paralyzed in some way. But Jesus came here and healed him at this place. Now, one thing that's interesting about that is that biblical critics in the 19th century said, well, this is one of the evidences that the Bible is full of myth, legend, and superstition because there never was such a pool. But in the 19th century, this pool was discovered. And so it is been, has been authenticated. Well, here we are back on the uh, street that leads to the Lion's Gate. And at this particular point in the street, it becomes the Via Dolorosa. The Via Dolorosa in Latin means the way of suffering. And this is the traditional route that Jesus walked to the cross. It's the route from where he was tried by Pilate to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where he was crucified. There are actually 14 stations of the cross, but we are going to only uh, cover some nine that uh, along this route. The other five are all in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We'll point out a few as we go along, not all of them. This arch up here is the Echo Homo Arch. In Latin, that means behold the man. For centuries, Christians believed that that was the place where Pilate uh, took Jesus and said to the people, behold the man. And that this was the place where Pilate uh, judged Jesus Christ. We now know that that is not true. That arch was built in the second century after Christ by Hadrian. But this general area is an authentic site. I'll explain that to you. The reason I say this is an authentic site is because we know that this was a site of the ancient Antonio fortress, uh, the Roman fortress. And many people believe that it was at this fortress that Pilate judged Jesus. The fortress was built uh, uh, next to the north end of the Temple Mount and higher so that they could look down and see what the Jewish people were doing. This door is the entrance to the convent of the Sisters of Zion. And uh, down below, uh, there is a pavement floor that was the floor of the Antonio Fortress. And on that floor is a game that was carved by the Roman soldiers that they played with the, uh, with the uh, prisoners where they would dress them up in regal costumes and then torture them according to how the dice fell on the game. I might mention to you that an archaeological debate has broken out in recent years about the location of where this trial took place where Pilate judged Jesus. For years it was assumed it was here at the Antonio Fortress, but now archaeological scholars are saying no, that it was on the other side of the city at Herod's palace. We know from the writings of Josephus that when governors came to town they always stayed at that palace. And in 2009, a Israeli archaeologist discovered a praetorium over there that appears to have been where Jesus was judged. The street from the Lion's Gate comes to a dead end at this point. You either have to go this way or that way. 
Now there are two sites for the crucifixion, the Protestant site called the Garden Tomb and the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, which is the Catholic site. The Catholic site is much more traditional and is more verified in history than the Protestant site. But if Jesus went to the Protestant site, he came here and he turned and went that way. If he went to the Catholic site, he went that way. We're gonna follow the traditional route of the Via Dolorosa, so we're going that way. Let's go. This is the third station of the cross. The first two are up where Pilate judged Jesus. This particular station marks the first place where Jesus fell. According to tradition, he fell several times. This was supposed to be the first place. Right here in the midst of all these uh, postcards, we have the fourth station of the cross. This is where Jesus supposedly encountered his mother. That is strictly a tradition. Let's go now to the fifth station. What you see behind me is the fifth station of the cross. This is where Simon of Cyrene was supposed to have picked up the cross when Jesus stumbled again. And when we go around this corner, we're going to start going up a very, very steep hill. And you will understand why he needed some help to get up there, either carry a cross or a cross beam of the cross. This is the sixth station of the cross, and this is supposedly where a woman by the name of Veronica wiped the face of Jesus with a handkerchief, and his image came off on that handkerchief. That's, of course, a totally extra-biblical myth, but that is one of the, the stories in the life of Jesus that's celebrated along this Via Dolorosa. Let's go on up to the top of the hill. We're going to skip the other stations of the cross because we're moving into an Arab market area. And right up here at the end of this uh, street, you can see another dead end. We're going to take a left, walk through the Arab market area, then take a right and go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Let's go. Okay, let's start walking through the Arab market area. There's not very many people here today because this is a Friday, which is the Islamic Sabbath. Normally when we go through this market, it is absolutely jam-packed with so many people that it's almost impossible to walk through it. It's a very colorful place. It's also a place with a lot of aromatic, uh, aromatic uh, smells. And uh, it is a place that's uh, really rather exciting as you go through it. We're approaching now the turn we're going to make to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We'll be making that turn in just a few moments. We're coming now to the uh, end of our walk through the uh, Arab market. And uh, we're going to make a right turn into the Christian uh, quarter. And when we do so, <laughs> it'll be like going uh, from light to dark or dark to light. It's just uh, unbelievable the difference in the uh, feel of these quarters, the looks of them and so forth. So you'll see as we make this turn, we're coming now into the uh, Christian quarter. And uh, right around this corner, you'll begin to see it's very quiet. It's much cleaner and uh, the merchants uh, don't jump out and try to grab your neck and sell you something. So here we go, around this corner to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Well, as you can see, the Christian quarter is open, it's clean, it's serene. It's a really nice place to be. And right over here, we're coming to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Let's go. 
Well, here it is, folks, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the most uh, sacred place in all of Christendom because it, this church sits on what is believed to be the site of the crucifixion and the burial and, of course, the resurrection of Jesus. And there's a lot of archaeology to sustain that assumption. Uh, the church has a very interesting feature about it. If you look up high, you'll see a ladder that is up there leaning on a ledge below a window. Keep that ladder in mind. What I want to do now is I want to go to a private place and talk with you a little bit about this church. I've been over here 42 times and the only time I've ever been in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre was the first time. The reason I haven't been back in since then is because I felt an overwhelming sense of spiritual suffocation. It's a rather dark and dreary place. It's a place where priests vie for uh, control. It's a place where people worship icons. Uh, it is not, to me, a spiritually uplifting place. This has been true for centuries. There are six different Christian denominations that have various aspects, control of various aspects of the church. And over the centuries, they have fought each other, they have feuded with each other, uh, they've actually had fist fights until finally it got so bad that during the time of the Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Sultan decided to issue an order. Uh, it was called the Order of the Status Quo. And you know what that order did? It froze everything. Everything. As the day that was issued, everything was frozen. So there could be no more territorial disputes and uh, the fighting could stop. But on the day he issued that order, there happened to be a ladder on the balcony that I pointed out to you earlier. What had happened was an Armenian priest had taken the ladder out and put it up to wash windows. But as he was getting ready to do so, a Greek priest came out and said, hey, that ladder is resting on the cornice that belongs to the Greeks. And so they got into a fight over that. When the status quo was issued, the ladder was there, the ladder could not be moved. When that occurred, we're not quite sure, but every photograph of the church taken since the 1850s shows that ladder and the great illustrations that David Roberts from England did in this country in the 1840s also show the ladder. So it's been there for almost 200 years. And it's a symbol, a symbol of the silliness that goes on quite often among these different denominations fighting over territorial rights. We have been continuing our walk through the Christian Quarter and now we are reaching another dead end. This is David Street. And David Street is one of the major thoroughfares in the old city where people come to buy souvenirs and knickknacks of one kind or another. We're going to turn right here, head up David Street. It's uphill all the way. And we're going to come to the other side of the city at the Jaffa Gate. Let's go. Well, here we are at the Jaffa Gate. We have walked all the way across the old city from the east side to the west side. And what you see up there is not the original Jaffa Gate. That's a cut that was made in the wall in the early 20th century in order that Kaiser Wilhelm II could ride into this city in a buggy and not have to get out and walk in. I guess royalty does have its privileges. This massive structure you see here located at the Jaffa Gate is what is called the Citadel. This was the place where Herod's palace was located in the time of Jesus. And this is where many archeologists today believe that Jesus was actually uh, tried by a uh, pilot.
This entrance to the Citadel is important for many reasons, but uh, one of my favorite uh, historical uh, scenes that comes to mind when I see it is that in 1917, in December, when the Allied forces liberated this city from the Ottoman Turks for the first time in 400 years, General Allenby walked in the Jaffa Gate, came right up here and stood here and proclaimed this city to be liberated from the Turkish Empire. I'm standing directly across the street from the Citadel and I'm here because this is the entrance to a very historic church. It's called Christ Church right inside the Jaffa Gate and it was completed in 1849, the first Protestant church to be built in the old city of Jerusalem. Well here we are once again in a beautiful courtyard. I told you, you never know what's inside these uh, walls as you walk through the old city. This is the courtyard of Christ Church and it's a remarkable story here. There was a German-born Jew by the name of Michael Solomon Alexander who became a follower of Jesus in 1825 after he heard the gospel in England from two Anglican clergymen. He had gone to England to teach Hebrew and he had been ordained as a rabbi. He became a lecturer in Hebrew literature at King's College in London and this man, remarkable man, translated the Book of Common Prayer and the New Testament into the Hebrew language. He was a believer in Bible prophecy, and to me that's the most important thing of all. He really believed the prophecies of the Bible. He believed that in the end times, God was going to regather the Jews in unbelief back to this land. And so he decided to come here to the Holy Land and establish the first Protestant church inside these old city walls, Christ Church. He came here as a bishop of the Anglican Church, and uh, he began the building of this church. Unfortunately, he died before it was completed in 1849. Today, this church, Christ Church, is the only Protestant church in the old city of Jerusalem that acknowledges the Jewish roots of our Christian heritage and which does not teach replacement theology. We are entering the Armenian quarter now, which is the smallest and least populated of the four quarters of the old city. I'll tell you more about the Armenians when we get into the center of their quarter. The Armenian people are supposed to have been the very first people to be converted to Christianity as a nation. And throughout their history, they have been severely persecuted. That persecution came to its climax in 1915 with what's called the Armenian Genocide, when the Turkish people tried to annihilate the Armenian community. As a result of that, the Armenians have closed into themselves and cut themselves off from the outside world. We're right in the middle of the Armenian quarter and we've got high walls all around us. There is really nothing to see here. We're going to continue walking to the Jewish quarter. Well, we have arrived now at the Jewish quarter of the old city, the last of the four quarters, and it is the newest one. And the reason it's so new is because when the War of Independence ended in 1949, the Jordanians had control of this old city and they cut the Jews off from it. And not only did they do that, they came into the Jewish quarter and systematically blew up every building in this quarter, including all of the uh, synagogues. After the 1967 Six-Day War, when the Jews regained control of this city, they decided, to, of course, to rebuild this Jewish quarter. But you know what they did first? They did archaeological excavation. So under every one of these buildings, there is an archaeological excavation. There's something I want you to notice in particular here. You see that minaret next to that dome? That dome is the Herva synagogue that has been rebuilt because it was blown up by the Jordanians. 
But notice that here in the Jewish quarter, there is a minaret of a mosque. That's because the Jews are willing to tolerate all religions. But if the Jews were to go into the Arab quarter and try to build a synagogue, well, it would uh, probably start a war. So we see the intolerance of the Islamic religion toward others and the determination of those in Islam to put themselves in your face and say, look, we're the greatest. When the Jews did reoccupy this uh, Jewish quarter in 1967, one of the things they did was to build a memorial to the Herva Synagogue. And the memorial you can see in this photograph of a great arch. I'm happy to say that now that arch has been replaced by the rebuilding of the synagogue which opened recently. This plaza in the center of the Jewish quarter is one of my favorite places in this area of the old city. It's a place where you can come and sit and have lunch and you can watch the Jewish people celebrate as these people are doing, that they're back in this city. It's always a wonderful place to be. You can watch Jewish families walking by here. And it reminds me of a passage in the book of Zechariah where it says that in the end times, Jerusalem will once again be a place of celebration where boys and girls and men and women will dance in the streets. This is the headquarters of what is called the Temple Institute, which is right here in the heart of the Jewish quarter. This organization is trying to make all the preparations for the third temple, the temple that will exist during the tribulation. They have made the clothing of the priest, the clothing of the high priest, the high priest's uh, headdress. Uh, they have uh, made the instruments to be used in the sacrifices and musical instruments. But the most difficult thing they had to prepare was the menorah to go in the temple because it had to be made of solid gold. We'll take a look at that menorah in just a moment. Here it is, the solid gold menorah that is to be positioned in the third temple, the temple of the tribulation. My friends, these preparations are just one of many signs that point to the fact that we are living on borrowed time and the Messiah is returning soon. I want to conclude our walk through the old city right here in the Jewish quarter with this scene of the Temple Mount behind me. What you see there is the Dome of the Rock and right below it that is the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall as some people call it where Jews have gone for centuries to lament the destruction of their temple and to pray for the return of their Messiah. I sincerely hope that this walk through the old city has been informative to you and has been spiritually enriching. I hope one day that you will be able to come to the Holy Land and walk through this old city yourself. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Shalom from Jerusalem. In Psalm 48, we find these words about the city of Jerusalem. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and the city of our God is holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, the city of the great King. At the beginning of this program, I said that Jerusalem is the most important city in the world, and that's because it is the focal point of the cosmic battle between God and Satan. Jerusalem is where Jesus, the Son of God, shed His blood for the sins of mankind. It is where He was buried and resurrected and where He ascended into heaven. 
It is where He will return to this earth, and it's from Jerusalem that He will reign over all the earth for a thousand years, bringing peace, righteousness, and justice. The prophet Ezekiel says that at that time the name of the city will be changed from Jerusalem to Yahweh Shema, which means the Lord is there, and the Lord will be there. He made that promise in Ezekiel 43.7 where he said to Ezekiel, Son of man, this, Jerusalem, is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell among the sons of Israel forever. Well, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope you will be back with us next week, the Lord willing. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Would you like to have a copy of today's unique tour of the Old City of Jerusalem? We can supply you with a copy in a video album called Insights from Jerusalem. This 75-minute video contains three programs shot in Jerusalem. One concerns the prophetic significance of the Eastern Gate. The second tells the remarkable story about one man, Eliezer ben Yehuda, who revived the Hebrew language from the dead in fulfillment of end-time Bible prophecies. And the third program is the one you saw today titled, A Walk Through the Old City. With each order of the Insights from Jerusalem album, we will include a free copy of our video album entitled, The Galilee of Jesus. It runs 95 minutes in length and contains four television programs edited together to produce a sweeping overview of the ministry of Jesus in the Galilee of Israel. Following an in-depth introduction to the whole area of the Galilee, the program focuses on the Nazareth of Jesus, His miracles in the Galilee, and His transfiguration. You can get both video albums containing a total of almost three hours of scenes shot in Israel for a gift of only $20, including the cost of shipping. To order, call the number you see on the screen or go to our website at lamblion.com. Just ask for order number 808. Call us Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Again, ask for order number 808. And when you contact us, ask to be added to our magazine mailing list. Our magazine, called The Lamplighter, is published bi-monthly and usually runs 24 pages in length. The digital issue, supplied by email, is free of charge. Or you can get the printed copy delivered through the mail for a gift of $25 per year. Each issue of the magazine is full of fascinating articles related to Bible prophecy, events in Israel, and updates on the signs of the times. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 